Hello everybody and welcome to this week's Five in Midfield. It's myself, Gav Mack, we've got Alex Osborne and we've got Stephen Buck. How are you boys? All good buddy, you? Making dreams work boys, making dreams work. Well this week we are doing our top five foreign players to play in the Premier League. And uh, you know, I, I had a list of about 30. <laughs> So, uh, you know, I had to think of ways to try and make it happen, you know. Um, but um, who are we going to start with? Alex, I'm going I'm I'm to let you go first. Are you going to go with me? Oh, okay. no, 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 actually. I'm going with no? Buck. Oh, okay. You're going to go with me? I am indeed. Excellent, mate. I do like it when I'm in first place. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I want to be sloppy seconds. I always want to be first. He's a Spurs fan. He's got to get... He, he's not used to it, so he might as well let him. Oh, mate, I've had years of us never achieving anything. You know, literally, that is the last thing we've won. That's embarrassing, isn't it? It's really sad. Mm. Hold on go. a minute. If you're sloppy seconds being a Spurs fan, does that mean you're third? Oh, that was one time. That was one time only. That was one time only. Sorry. Um <laughs> It kind of makes us William Gallas, doesn't it? Oh. That was third. Uh, I, don't know, I don't know if that's a burn or not. Oh. Oh. <laughs> anyway, so, so my top five. So my number five this week was the uh, the man that I absolutely loved watching play football growing up. And that is the former PFA Player of the Year, David Ginola. What now, is a bit as well. controversial. There's some, there's some good players that could have easily gone above him. But we have to bear in mind, this was a guy that should have won a Premier League two seasons before that when he was playing for Newcastle. Really should have done. He was PFA Player of the Year, um, I think it was the 98 season, 99 season for Spurs. And that Spurs outfit was dreadful. I mean, absolute toilet. He drew I got it. Yeah, he dragged him through. He even won a League Cup with that horrendous side. And I don't know any other player that had the ability flair that he had that could take on a man and beat him in that particular era. And you also have to take into account that there's that fantastic goal that he scored where I think it was against Barnsley or Charlton. Oh, Pretty much went yes. through about seven players. and then is that, is that the one he picked up on the left touchline, isn't it? I think just yeah. inside their half, yeah? yeah. Magical goal. If anyone's out there and you want to go and see a great, great Davijin goal, Davijin I think it was the FA Cup, and I'm pretty sure it was against Barnsley. Go and check it out. Fantastic goal. Top, top player. Do we'll, do. we'll find a link for it and we'll put it on the page. There you go. Let's do that. Deserved. Right, who's number four? Number four. Arguably, probably the best goalkeeper that's graced the Premier League and a Manchester United goalkeeper. Peter Schmeichel. Um, at the time when Schmeichel was goalkeeping, I don't think there was a single keeper that was anywhere near him in terms of ability in the Premier League. Um, legendary status amongst United fans and even the, the ways that he used to goalkeep for them was completely different to everybody else. You know, he wasn't going to stay on his agility. He was a big, heavy goalkeeper that made himself really imposing whenever you went in one-on-one on him. Super player, great, brilliant, number four. Excellent. As far as I'm aware as well, that even back then, it was a bargain signing as well, wasn't it? I think it was less than a million, wasn't it, they signed him for? Yeah, he was dirt cheap. 
absolutely dirt cheap. So, what can you say? Great shout. Who's your number three? Number three, I've gone for the Portuguese wonder, Cristiano Ronaldo. Now, oh, not Nani? Not Nani. Oh, okay. No, no. Although he did, did play longer in the Premier League than Ronaldo. Uh, Ronaldo, he had two seasons really where he lit up the Premier League for Manchester United. And I've kind of included the fact that he has gone on to some superb things. I mean, records have tumbled in everything that he's done. Multiple Champions League wins, multiple league wins. He's gone to pretty much every big club that you could imagine across the face of the earth, other than probably what Bayern Munich. Everyone else has either wanted him, bought him, or he's played for them. Um, the, the man is an absolute machine, and still physique and fitness as a, I think he's thirty-four now or thirty-five. Absolutely incredible, incredible machine. So it has to go in there. I Means I've got two more years to look just like him. You know, I know. We've all got to start socially distancing ourselves from the fridge if we want to get anywhere close to looking like him. Yeah, cause, well, with my cuppa. <laughs> Number two. Number two. Um, it was a toss-up between two Manchester City players, but in the end, I've gone for David Silva. Um, I think he has lit up the Premier League since he's turned up. Um, Aguero gets the plaudits with his goals and will obviously always be remembered for that final moment when they won their first Premier League title, mm. uh, the goal against QPR. But David Silver is an absolute magician in central midfield. He completely revolutionised and helped change Manchester City from what was a little bit kick and rush to all of a sudden moving into a possession-based side. He's, yeah. he's, his passing ability, his longevity his goal-scoring record, and just generally the fact that the man is just a solid 8 out of 10 every single game that he plays. There is no dipping in quality levels. He's just ultra, ultra-reliable. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant player. Begs the question. With, the, with that level of gratitude to the player, who's your number one? Uh, I went for a player that is a uh, legendary status as well. Um, played for Barcelona and who every time he came up against, particularly my club, I genuinely feared for the goal mouth. And that was Thierry Henry. Oh. Uh, brilliant, brilliant player. To think that he was a, you know, he was brought as a winger initially. And he's turned into one of the best strikers the Premier League has ever seen. I think he won three consecutive golden boots on the bounce. You know, he's just a phenomenal, phenomenal striker with, that's won things wherever he's gone. Um, absolute sterling pro, longevity. Um, what more can you say about the man? King Thierry. King Thierry Henry the first. That's what I'll call him. Oh, yeah, I, so, I can't there, really... so there's the um, there's there's the shock of the day. The Yiddo has picked an Arsenal man as the greatest foreign signing to grace the Premier League ever. I honestly think that you've got a little soft spot for Arsenal. No, there's no soft spot for <laughs> Arsenal. <laughs> the amount of conversations that we have and stuff, it, no. there's always there's a wannabe job about Arsenal, and then it's like, oh yeah, well they had this and they did this and they did that. Yeah, but I am going back to like up to about the year 2000, 2001. After that, no one talks about Arsenal because it all went to pot and they're basically the same as what Spurs are now, just dreaming of a full finish. Um, 
But prior to 2002, I think they were one of the best clubs in the Premier League in terms of how they were playing football. And they were exciting mm. to watch. As a football fan, you think of players like Bergkamp, um, the defensive units that you had in the likes of Tony Adams, Keown, Winterburn, Dixon, Sol Campbell. Judas. Judas. I was waiting. Still burning effigies on him. But yeah, it was a good side. It was a good side. Then gradually they you know, they basically did what Daniel Levy's doing now and they sold off their best assets, tried to buy on the cheap and just tried to survive. We'll talk about that another time. Right, I'm going to hop in with our top fives. Right. Number five. Tim Cahill. Right. There's reason. The silent. <laughs> Everyone's going, what? Tim what? Cahill. Okay, yeah. K Cahill. Look, okay. Tim Cahill is Australian, so therefore... I know he's Australian, yeah. We he's he's yeah, down we to go in the foreign He's classed as a foreign player, yeah. yeah. So yeah. he gets the top five because he's flown further than anybody else. Okay, right, yeah. Well, I could have had Ryan Nelson. Was he four? <laughs> Wait. <laughs> no, I've gone with Tim Cahill because of the impact that he's had, not just on the English game, but on Everton as well. We're like, what are Everton? We all know this, but... Yeah. He carried Everton a, a lot. And a little bit like how you said about um, David Ginola, what an average Spurs side they were. And I'm not saying that Cahill's better than Ginola because he's not. But it's the impact that he had above everybody else to make the club get to close to where they need to be. You've got to remember, they finished top four. One season, they were regularly in the uh, top six. Once, yeah. And yeah. The, the amount yeah. of goals that he scored as well, he contributed a lot. So, Tim Cahill is is, is my number they, four. They were solid top eight. Number five, sorry. I, I would argue that there was other players from that Everton team who were probably just as influential as Tim Cahill, but, you know. Yeah, uh, Tony Hibbert was good, but he's English. Well, I was thinking more along the lines of someone like, uh, who's now a manager in the, in the uh, Premier League right now. Number four, um, <laughs> I'll, go, <laughs> I'll go with Eden Hazard because okay, good similar to Cahill, not be, not that Chelsea were average. They weren't average at all. They they had already won titles and stuff when he was coming in. The thing with Hazard, everyone wanted Hazard. Yeah, he was at Lille. Could have picked him up on the cheap. And they picked him up for something like twenty-two or twenty-three million pound, which is a lot of money. But at the time, he wasn't proven. It, 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 was, it was still reasonable money at the time. Yeah, I mean, it was. It was decent wedge back then. Um, but yeah, you're looking back at it now, and he was a steal. Oh, I was actually thinking of putting Wamata in for the same reason. He won Player of the Year in 2010 and 2011. And he was only £20 million. But I think Hazard has made more of a contribution to Chelsea yeah, than yeah. any other absolutely, foreign player. Absolutely. I 100% I, I, I agree with that, considering that I think Hazard was instrumental in Chelsea winning the title at least twice uh, when mm. he was there. I think he was instrumental in Leicester winning the league as well. Do you not remember the... Um... 
he'd been out he'd been out injured pretty much all season turns up and absolutely walks through the Spurs side and was pulling strings left right and centre so and that was the well, end any title push that's the year that you came third in the two game. horse race yeah uh, we, we won't go into that we won't go into that number three I've gone with Nemanja Vidic he is a stalwart at the back. I mean, like, if you're making a Premier League eleven of this era, the previous era, it's hard not to put him at least on the bench. I mean, like, if you're going back to the nineties and stuff, you're going to be looking at pa- uh, Pallister, Bruce Adams, Keown, Bold, that sort of stuff. As you go forwards, you're looking at John Terry, Rio Ferdinand, Vidic. Yeah. And Vidic is an absolute man mountain. Imagine being down a dark alley and Nemanja Vidic is on you. I'd be worried. I'd be scared. The only person that's not scared... He didn't scare Fernando Torres, did he? I was about to say, the only person that he wasn't scared by was Fernando Torres. And I'll be honest with you, in my list, Fernando Torres was number six. He was very close to, to getting involved. Um, number two, <coughs> I would argue this is the guy that revolutionised football. A foreign player that revolutionised football in this country. Gianfranco Zola. Oh, great player. He and Bergkamp came over... In a time where it was still heavily dominated by English players and homegrown players. But that first influx of foreign players, you know, argue mm, Cantona, I think he's overrated. That's a different story for a different time. But as the Premier League yeah, was, he was still in its infancy, he came over in 97. I, I if, know it was only two seasons, but that one season, because it was two separate seasons, wasn't it? It wasn't yeah. back-to-back, but that, that yeah. first first season he had, then he finished top goal scorer in the Premier League, or at least joint top goal scorer, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. So yeah. he was pretty influential, I think. Then he went, Along with to, uh, he went back to the Bundesliga after that, I think, didn't he? Didn't he go back to Munich or... That was a strange one. I don't know why he didn't stay for longer. Maybe you could shed more there. That's probably... A, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that in another show. But yeah. Zola, he's won, he's won trophies with them. You know, he didn't... I don't think he did win the... I don't think he'd already gone back to Cagliari for the 0405 season. But prior to that, this is when Chelsea weren't really anything. But he won a cup winners cup. He won a couple of FA Cups. Yeah, you know, sure. he's, he's got to be in there. Wasn't so wasn't Zola? Didn't he win the uh, Didn't he win the man of the match there when Chelsea won the Cup Winners' Cup final? And he only played like twenty minutes because he came off the bench. He scored the winner and destroyed the other team. I'm sure that was. I'm That's sure that was because Zola. he is a boss. Yeah. But the number one boss, like Buck, Thierry Henry. End of. I don't need to go into any any more detail about that. Um, <laughs> Alex. The anchor man, the Ron Burgundy of two up top football. Oh god! Uh, right then, I was going to pick you up a, there. This better be good. Think of a, uh, a Ron Burgundy joke then, but then my mind went completely blank, and I'll end up just butchering it. So let's move on. Uh, number five for me, uh, the best, who is one of the best midfielders to come uh, from. Uh, 
foreign lands would be Patrick Vieira. Um, oh, good shout. Arsenal signed him for uh, relatively as an unknown uh, for Macy Milan back in 1996, around about £3 million, I believe it was. And it was probably the best £3 million that they've ever spent. So he turned out to be uh, a leader, a colossus. And basically what all modern midfield dynamos are based on, they whenever there was uh, a linked with, they were like, oh, he's a new Patrick Vieira. There's always always things to be... And it's kind of died down in more recent years, but it always used to be the case of, oh, have we signed a new Patrick Vieira or this club signed a new Patrick Vieira? And that to me says a lot, you know, when you're when you're when you are the standard that uh, all future players are, are compared against. That to me says that your impact you had on the game was quite, quite a lot. Except if you're called Abu Dhabi. Leave Abu alone, man. It's not his <laughs> fault. Right. Alex, who's your number four? Number four for me was Cristiano Ronaldo. Now, I know Stephen uh, already mentioned him in his list and he had him number three. I mean, I had him at number four mainly because... Yes, um, he was great in the Premier League. Uh, I'd argue that he had one truly amazing uh, season, almost you could call it elite, where he scored 42 goals in that oh, in that one euphoric. season. And there was a couple of other really good seasons and uh, some promising seasons when he first joined. Obviously, uh, his best mm. seasons, we can all agree, were at Real Madrid, yeah. which were outside of the Premier League. But he still did enough in his time at Man United to be one of the best signings ever and there is a little bit of how he performed after um, because if he had stayed at Man United then he probably would have done exactly the same that he did at Real Madrid but just for Man United instead so uh, yeah. there's, there's not much more you can say about the uh, about the man I think when you've got someone like Sir Alex Ferguson that says I only ever signed four world-class players um, one of those is Cristiano Ronaldo Peter Schmeichel i think was in that list. Paul Scholes, and I can't think who the fourth one was off the top of my head. Might have been Cantona. Can't be Cantona. That's enough. That's enough. When Sir Alex says to you, That's someone's right. world class, I'm just going to take that as red. Who's your number three, yeah. eh, dog? Number three is personally a favourite of mine, uh, mainly because if I was ever to be a football player, I always wanted to play like him. And that would be Cesc Fabregas. I was about um, to say, Mark Noble is English. Why would you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Cesc Fabregas. Well. I mean, he's homegrown. Um, he played for England. He's homegrown. Two spells yeah. in the Premier League. He had two different spells in the Premier League. First coming uh, through the ranks. Well, I say the through the ranks at Arsenal. We, we bought him from Barcelona. Uh, and then he came uh, to us as a 16-year-old. And I, I can actually say I was there for his debut in the car. It was the Carlin Cup back then against Wolves at Highbury. My and guy. I knew then when I saw him live uh, that I kind of thought that this guy was going to be special. And it turned out to be the case. He, he could do it all from midfield. He could control the tempo. He was what they, some, if you want to call it hipsters, call it uh, the term press resistance. Uh, in terms of players would come and try and mark him closely, he'd be able to turn and not feel that pressure and be able to still pick out a pass. He could uh, he could hit the ball from deep. Think of his times at Chelsea when he would hit the ball over to the top to Diego Costa. He used to do it quite often to Adebayor as well, uh, Robin Van Persie. Who? And he could score. 
incredible uh, long-range goals. I, I remember one, uh, no, it wasn't in the Premier League, but there was one against AC Milan in the Champions League where we... Oh, uh, yes. Where we won away 2-0 and he scored the first goal and he, he, he drilled it in from about, about 30 35 yards. yards. Yeah, it was, and the and the and, and the passion you could see that he scored then, and it broke it all broke my heart when he left Arsenal to go to Barcelona. Um, but and here's the other stat as well: behind Ryan Giggs, who's got the most assists ever in the Premier League, Cesc Fabregas comes in at number two. Um, with I think it, I think it's something like 111. Well, if you look at how long Ryan Giggs was in the league, exactly. Yeah. With, yeah, so guys, to tell the story, who's yeah, your number two, yeah, way, dog? Number two, okay, so he Ooh. was also a very personal favourite of striker of mine because I just couldn't help like the way he played his football. It was all power, it was all strength, it was all um, explosiveness. What, Glenn and... Helder? <laughs> yeah, yeah, how do you know? <laughs> um, but here's the thing, he'd always, he'd always do it against Arsenal. And it was almost like that begrudging, like, oh, God, why are you doing it against us? But it was the one and the only Didier Drogba. Oh. And I, lo I loved his celebration as well, you know, doing the Drogba with your arms out to the side and pumping yeah. and everything. But he, he took a season or so to get, to get acclimatised. His first season, he didn't score too many goals, but you could see that there was definitely something there. And then after that, he just... He just took off, and Chelsea. Uh, I, I Chelsea definitely wouldn't have been anywhere near as successful if they hadn't have him up front. I mean, he mm. bullied players. He scored incredible volleys. He was great in the air. He he could hold up the ball. He could bring others into play. There was a couple of screamers he scored from long range. I know a couple against Everton. That I can remember him scoring, which were like breathtaking. Um, he was a Mourinho striker, really, wasn't he? It, yeah, he was, and oh, it, yeah. think about it, he was—he was kind of like the last of the dying breed in terms of like your true number number nine. You know, your like your Alan Shearer type of strikers. Um, Before and, they got all feeble. Exactly. I mean, and I was once uh, friends would know would know this. I once thought that Andy Carroll was so good. I once labelled him the next Didier Drogba. So, yeah, let's uh, move it on from there. Number one. Should we come back to that on another show? I feel <laughs> we are definitely coming back to that on another show, I swear to God. <laughs> hey, look, I'll tell you what, uh, Andy Carroll, that was for a brief moment in time. He was really good. I'm just telling you. Hey, look, I understand, I understand your logic. Anyway, number one, Andy oh, Carroll anyway, is not foreign, so he's not going to be your number one, I know that. Anyway, number one, it's a clean sweep for the king, Thierry Henry. Oh, um, oh, as you can tell from the uh, from us, he's the consensus winner here. I mean, I'll, I'll let this I'll let, one season which speaks, speaks volumes. I can't remember which one it was. It was either 2001-2002 or 2002-2003, where he got 24 goals in the league and he got 20, uh, 20 assists. Which is still a record to this day. He's not been broken. Um, and for a striker to be able to get both 20-plus goals and assists in the same season says it all. What Animal. Player. And uh, I think it's a bit of a travesty as well that he never actually won World Player of the Year. He, he should have won World Player of the Year. Yeah. But he didn't, mainly because it just seems to be that the World Player of the Year is a Spanish 
uh, award. Whoever yeah, plays. You, you need to be playing for, um, for Real Madrid or Barcelona if you want to get that. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. A little bit too late, really, in his career to. Yeah, but 20, 229 goals. Uh, he's got one of the best goals to games ratio in the Premier League. And yeah, uh, there's nothing more. You, and here's the other thing as well. It was. It was pace, it was power, it was grace, wasn't it, as well? Yeah. Pace, power, grace. What a way to end this show. Hey, look, if you've got an idea for the show, by all means, love it in the comments. Like, share, subscribe to our YouTube stuff. You would have saw the links all come up underneath a couple of moments ago. It's all the same, at 2UpTopFootball. So if you want to talk about something, you want to give us your idea of the top five, as well as the top fives, you know, do you agree with us? Do you disagree with us? Give us a shout. Let us know. But um, for myself, I'm Gav Mack. Alex Osborne in the middle. Stephen Buck on the far right. Not that he's a far right with a skinhead. <laughs> Thank you and goodbye. <laughs>